Well, I'm Chris Seinwechter. I'm on staff here, one of the ministers here at Coastal, and I'm honored to be with you guys here tonight on a rainy May day night in 2018 Ocean City. Yes, it's still a good night, amen? All right, so what we're going to be talking about tonight, and I want to apologize to some folks that might be here that I put out on Facebook that we were going to be talking about the best way to experience God. And I had an awesome picture with the dad swinging. How many of you guys saw that? Amen. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. Because God redirected and reshifted and, and uh, you know, took me another path. So, it's, and that's a good thing. Because that means he has something to say tonight. So let me pray one more time. Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this night. Would you, Lord, as you took the loaves and the fish from that little boy, Lord, and you did something miraculous with it, would you just take these notes that are written by man and accomplish your will upon the earth? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven through these notes, Lord, that are written by me. But if you bless them, then they'll accomplish something. So that's what I'm asking, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what are we talking about tonight? Overcoming the enemy's schemes. Overcoming the enemy's schemes. The Bible, whoo, the Bible has a lot to say about the enemy. Do you know you have an enemy? Do you know he has schemes against you? That's what the Bible says. The Bible has a lot to say about that, about demons, spiritual warfare, about his goals and his plans. And his plan, by the way, is to deceive, defeat, and devour us. That's, that's terrible, isn't it? That's a bad plan. Defeat, deceive, and devour. That's what the Word of God teaches. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians, we're going to look to right now, chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Some of you are familiar with this. It says, finally, be strong in who? Be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God. So why? So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. How many times do we need to be reminded of that? Every day. But against the rulers, against the authorities, this is who we battle, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil's schemes is what causes our struggles. Schemes cause struggles. My scheme is not your struggle. Your scheme is not my struggle. But his schemes is our struggles according to the Word of God. But he would have us think another way. He would love to turn us against each other. He would love to turn this nation against each other. He would love to turn our homes upside down and against each other. He would love, well, wait a minute. I think he's doing all those things. He's tearing our nation apart. He's tearing our homes apart, right? He's got churches at odds. Isn't that the truth? But the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against each other. Man, if we realize that, then our homes, our relationships, our churches, and our nation would be a lot better off, wouldn't it? Do you guys know what a scheme is, by the way? I looked it up. And if you look it up, you'll discover that it's a combination of a systematic plan with, check this out, evil intentions. 
That's what a scheme is. That's what the dictionary says. It's a plan, a step-by-step plan with evil intentions. So if you're scheming, that means you got, you know, an evil desire, an evil plan. And do you know what systematic means? This is from the dictionary as well. Done or acting according to a fixed plan or system, methodical, in other words, is what it is. And the Bible teaches this about the devil, that he's a thinker, a planner, that he's methodical, and that his plans are part of a system that plans, that plans to defeat us, that plans to defeat you, that plans to defeat me. He's planning methodically to defeat you. Did you know that? The devil has a well-thought-out plan that he thinks about to defeat you. He's systematic. When I was in the New Jersey State Police, we would often have to get called upon to search fields and acres upon acres for lost children or for evidence or for an elderly person who has Alzheimer's or whatever it may be. And we would call out the dogs, the canine dogs, and they would try to get them on a track on a scent. And we would also, uh, you know, get the state police helicopter up in the air, do everything we possibly could do to try to find, you know, a lost child or whatever we were looking for. But another thing that we would do each and every time is we would do what they call a systematic search, a well-thought-out planned search of acres upon acres. And we would cover every square inch We would exhaust everything that we had, every resource that we had from all over the state of New Jersey in an effort to find what we were looking for, especially if it was a child. And the devil does the same thing to defeat us. He uses every one of his resources. He uses everything he's got, and he thinks about how to defeat us. And here we are going about our daily lives and we're not even realizing that there are resources and a plan in place solely designed to cause us to have a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, and a bad year for the rest of our lives. That's how the enemy wants to defeat us and that's how some of us are defeated and living even right now. It's clear the devil is a planner, but how about you? Do we plan to be victorious? What if we did? Are we using every resource, everything that God has given us to defeat the wicked one? Because he is wicked and he is evil. One time the state police, I was in a crime scene unit, they sent me to a school in Pennsylvania. A very uh, school, uh, a very intense school that was just designed to teach me how to process crime scenes exclusively to crime scenes of uh, satanic cults. And I'm telling you, when I was in that classroom, I really don't want to be there, but I know God sent me there for a reason because they had all these things on display that they found at different crime scenes uh, from satanic cults. And I could feel the presence of evil when I was in that classroom for a week. But I learned a lot. Well, I'll tell you what I learned. I learned the devil has no mercy. That if he could kill a baby, he'll do it. And I've seen all kinds of photographs and all kinds of things that made me sick to my stomach, to say the least. But it fired me up when I left. I was so upset when I left that class and I graduated from that. But I wasn't happy because of the schemes 
of the evil one that we need to overcome. And he has a systematic plan. And here's the thing about systematic plans. They work. They work. They defeat enemies. They save money. They lose weight. They build muscle. They find lost children. And they defeat some of the most powerful people on the planet. The only ones privileged to be called children of God. The only ones privileged to house the Holy Spirit in them are the child of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yet, the schemes of the wicked one can defeat something as powerful as a child of God. Satan plans to defeat you, and he often does. Five things the Bible teaches us about the devil that are found between the pages of the Bible. One, we certainly don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We really don't fight against each other. He gets us going like dominoes, and we go at each other. We're fighting against demonic powers in the heaven, it says in Ephesians chapter 6. We're fighting against the schemes of the evil one. Satan's main goal is to devour us. 1 Peter 5.8 says that he's like a lion, a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Four, there are people filled and possessed with unclean spirits, otherwise called demons, walking amongst us and in the heavenly realms above us. There is a warfare raged against the body of Christ. And finally, the Bible tells us, Jesus speaking, the devil has come for a reason, to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. Man, that's some bad stuff. If you're a child of God, you're like, I got all that against me. What are we going to do with all that stuff? How are we going to combat all that that the Bible tells is working against us. What we're going to do is we're going to cooperate with God. <clears throat> with the systematic plan that he already has in place. There's already a plan and it's victorious if you work the plan. Of course, we don't look for a demon under every rock. I don't want you guys to do that when you leave here tonight or become so demon-minded that you can't function because of fear. Because God didn't give us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. We know that. Fear, though, the Bible says, is a spirit, but it's not from God. But what is from God? A plan for us to do well, for us to be victorious, for us to thrive and accomplish great things for God. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy what? The works of the devil, right? Amen. Here's the plan, Deuteronomy 5.29. If only they had such a heart, where? In them that they would fear me and live by my laws always, then what? What would happen? Then it would go well with them and with their children forever. Deuteronomy 5.29, mic drop, time to go home. I'm done. That's all we got to do. Fear the Lord. If only, though, it says, right, unfortunately, if only they had such a heart in them that they would fear me, not the devil, not the demon, not a person, not a circumstance, but me, says the Lord. And by fearing the Lord, Deuteronomy 5.29 says, we would walk in his ways. Psalm 34, verse 9 says, those who fear the Lord lack nothing. <laughs> Did you hear that? 
Those who fear God, the Bible says, lack nothing. And of course, we need to know what fearing the Lord means. Does it mean you've got to be scared of God? That's not what it means at all. Of course, those who belong to Christ are not to be scared of God. We're not to be worried. We're not to be having a spirit of fear. And we're not to be scared of our Heavenly Father. We have no reason to be scared of the Lord. We have a promise that nothing can separate us from His love. Romans 8. We have His promise that He will never leave us or forsake us. Hebrews 13. And God is a Father who is in love with His children. But fearing God does mean that we have such a reverence for Him. Such a reverence for him that has a powerful impact on the way we live our lives, our daily lives. The fear of God is respecting him so much that it unfolds and plays out in our daily lives as obeying him, submitting to his discipline, submitting to his authority, and worshiping him with thanksgiving and awe. In other words, fearing the Lord means putting God first above all things. You're not always going to do that. I certainly don't always do that. But you can strive to do that. The Bible says your life is but a vapor, right? Meaning it's very short. If we can just switch the percentages of the life that we live on earth and attempt to please God more often than not, that's what striving means. If you make an effort, you make a goal to put God first, that's what fearing the Lord means. And Psalm 34 verse 9 says, those who fear the Lord lack nothing. Put God first everywhere all the time and if we learned and even better if we planned on how to do that then Deuteronomy 529 goes on to say that if we walk in his ways it would go well with us and our children forever that's a powerful promise from the Word of God God says it would go well with us that is if our fear of God calls us to walk in his ways it would go well with us so our greatest tool then against the schemes, against all these wicked things, is pumping blood through your body right now. Your most powerful weapon against the devil is your heart and how it beats for the Lord. Because if we constantly put God first, that's what gets God's attention. The Bible says God does not look at your outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Remember when, when God sent Samuel, the prophet Samuel, to anoint the new king? Saul had failed the Lord, King Saul, and God said he's going to remove him and he's going to replace him with a man after his own heart. Well, he went and found that man. But guess what happened before? Samuel looked at all these uh, uh, David's brothers in the house, and they passed before Samuel, and Samuel was speaking to the Lord. And he said, that must be the one. This guy's big. He's bad. He's jacked. And, and the Lord told Samuel, it ain't him. Then the next one comes in, it ain't him. It ain't him. And Samuel asked Jesse, the father of David, man, you got any more kids? Because the Lord said, all your kids ain't him. Yeah, I got one more. He's in a sheep pen. Tending the sheep, little ruddy guy, the Bible says. And he came in, and the Lord said to David, I mean to Samuel, that's him. But what was it about David? was his heart. It wasn't his skills. It wasn't anything. Psalm 44 says not by our sword or our tools or our weapons or anything else that we defeated our enemies, but it was you, Lord, and you favored us and your light shined upon us. David knew that it wasn't him, 
But he had such a fear of God, such a respect, such honor for his heavenly father that he put God first. Actually, it says in Acts 13, 13, that God found David, a man after his own heart, comma, because he will do all my will. So if we put God's will above our own, it's going to get God's attention. It's going to bring protection. It's going to bless us and do so many things and protect us from the enemy. Did you know that the Bible, each verse, check this out. I, this blew my mind when, when the Lord started sharing this with me. Talking about a plan. Every verse in the Bible in the Word of God is a plan all by itself. Meaning when we obey the Word of God, because our heart is beating for the Lord. We put God first in obedience. Every single verse is going to help us, is our friend. Take, for an example, uh, Proverbs, where it says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So you're, you're getting about to get in an argument, and you obey the Word of God, that step-by-step plan right in that moment. <laughs> The Word of God says that if you, if you don't reply with a harsh word, you won't stir up anger. So if you obey the Word in that moment, you're going to be successful. You're going to defeat the enemy. And it goes on and on. If we just took every verse and lived it out in every moment of our lives, we'd be so much successful. And here are four keys that will help us get that done. The first one, dare to be aware. Know there is a scheme. Dare to be aware. No, there's a scheme. There's a plan. You've got to be aware of that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not what? Ignorant of his schemes. How many times is there a scheme planned against us, a temptation that we fall into, and we don't even realize what's going on around us because we're not aware? A tip that we should do to be more aware is do what David did. David said, Lord, search my heart and know me. See if there be any what? Wicked way in me. And lead me in the path of everlasting. It's like getting an oil change for your heart. We need to get before the Lord. We need to ask God to search our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our intentions. And say, Lord, if there's anything in me that's not pleasing to you, reveal it to me. You've got to be daring to do that. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a loving way, and, but he will reveal to you. And then you make corrections as he reveals to you. So be aware. The second key, stay in the word and not with what you heard. What does that mean, Chris? I already told you. It took me five years to get through Ocrest. So you've got to bear with me. You guys all went through four years. Stay in the word. Not with what you heard. Your mind can hear things the devil wants you to hear. Do you know he messes with your mind? That's where the battlefield is. Right? The key is to know truth versus a lie. Had somebody in the office? Yes. No. Tuesday afternoon. Their car had gotten broken into. A lot of money got stolen out of their car. And they've been living for the Lord. And they loved the Lord. And they cried. And they feel that God has forsaken them. And I tried to convince them. That's a lie from the devil. Because what's the Bible say? I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So right there, that person is being battled by the enemy in their mind with a lie. 
That's what he did in the beginning with Adam and Eve. He approached them with a lie. He combats truth with a lie. We need to combat a lie with the truth. God will never leave this person, never forsake them. And if they start seeking the Lord, God will rebuild everything in their lives. But until they believe it, it won't happen, right? Your mind can hear things the devil wants you to hear. Strategic lies planted in your mind designed to deceive you. And if you believe those lies, you could wind up destroyed. Here's this person, fully functional, can pray and and hear from God just like anybody else, but they're defeated because of a lie that God has forsaken them because their car got broken into and they lost all their money. How the enemy can just twist us by our daily lives and the circumstances that we go through and our experiences. Amen? He's got a black belt in deception. It's amazing how he destroys lives, homes, marriages. He gets people working against each other. He gets in our heads and starts to mess around. And we've got to take a stand against them. 2 Corinthians 10.5 We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. When a wicked thought comes in your mind, you just say, in the name of Jesus, no, or in the name of Jesus, go, right? And by the authority of Jesus Christ, it's going to go. I was in Orlando, Florida with my family one time. Rented a condo, going to Disney, one-bedroom condo. I'm sleeping. I had this incredible, wicked nightmare. I tried to go back to bed. I had another incredible, wicked nightmare in Orlando. I got up, and I started praying to God. I was like, Lord, I'm having this nightmare. you got to take this nightmare away from me. Lord, please take this nightmare away from me. And I felt the Lord laying upon my heart, you speak to that nightmare and you tell it to go because you have authority right guess what I did I spoke to the nightmare in the name of Jesus you have no authority over me and I command you to get out of my head get out of my mind get out of my life and guess what I went to bed and slept good too Eddie right because Disney will wear you out bro hey amen It'd be like if I was on patrol like I used to be, and I went to the corner store, and there's all these teenagers in the corner store, and they're busting up the windows. And I pull up in my police car, and I'm like, wow, they're busting up all the windows. Right? And then I get on my cell phone, and I call the Sarge back in the barracks. Hey, Sarge, there's a bunch of teenagers right here in front of me, busting up all these windows. Why don't you come out of the barracks and arrest them? What do you think Sarge's going to say to me? Sarge said, I ain't. Look, I'm not coming out of the barracks. You have the badge on. You have the authority. You have the gun. You arrest them. And if you need help, we'll send a cavalry. But you have the authority to take them captive if they're breaking those windows. If they're breaking the law, hey, do your job. Right? Makes sense, doesn't it? It's the same thing. If you are a blood-bought, purchased child of the Most High God, you have authority 
to not put up with the evil schemes once you realize what's going on. Thy will be done on earth. God's will be done in your mind, in your heart. Take authority over those things. Third, walk in the ways of the Lord and not according to your own accord. Major mistakes in my life. Oh, man, I wish, don't you guys wish you could turn back the clock sometimes? I'm telling you. I wish I could turn back two clocks. Major mistakes are often made when we decide what's right, when we decide what's right and what's wrong and not the Word of God. Right? When we lean onto our own understanding, we're headed for trouble. Or when we step outside the will and the plan of God for our lives. Why would we do that? Why would anybody step outside God's plan for their life? Because they're tempted to do so, right? But Jesus has a better answer. Jesus Christ, Matthew 22, 29. Here's what gets us in trouble. Jesus replied, what did he say? Why are you in error? Because you do not know what? You're in error. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, said you're in error because you don't know the Scriptures. Nor do you know the power of God. And look, all I can say about not knowing the Scriptures, nor knowing the power of God, that's a bad combination, brother. Right? That is a bad combination. If you don't know both of them, then anything can happen. We need to know the Scriptures. And we need to experience the power of God in our lives. How do we do that? Prayer. Read the Bible. Combined with prayer, walking in the ways of the Lord, seeing God show up because we're praying about every little thing in our lives. We're experiencing the power of God. We're seeing that he is who he says he is, that he's a God in heaven who still hears and honors prayer. But if we're not praying, then you're not seeing God show up in your life. If you're not studying the word of God, then you don't know the scripture. And Jesus said, man, it's only a matter of time before you fall into error. That's when you lean onto your understanding and you don't know what the word says. That's when you can throw out that harsh word and stir up some anger. Or you can give a soft answer and turn away wrath. But you wouldn't know anything to do that if you didn't know the word of God, right? So we need to walk in the ways of the Lord, not our own accord. Proverbs 3 says for us to acknowledge God in all our ways and then God will do something. He'll direct our paths. It's so much better to go through life relying on God as a father than it is on yourself. So much better. That's a bad combination, not knowing the power of God or the scriptures. Fourth and finally, submit and the devil will quit. Submit to God and the devil will quit. Find out what God wants us to do in any given situation and then submit to it. Knowing the word combined with doing the word is the antidote to defeat the enemy. Knowing the word and doing the word is a powerful combination. Remember I said a bad combination is not knowing the word nor the power of God. Knowing the word and doing the word is like dynamite and it'll blow up the enemy. Submit, it says in James Chapter 4, verse 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
What do you do? How do you resist the devil? You know the word of God. You use the word of God against him, just like Jesus did in the desert. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these rocks into stones. What did Jesus say? What, what's the first thing Jesus said? It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, right? But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how Jesus Christ lived his life on earth. By every word of God. That's the way we need to live our lives. It'd be like, you know, when we're praying, we can ask God for all kinds of things when we're praying. You can ask God for strength. You can ask God. Did you realize you can ask God for wisdom? When's the last time? Don't answer. Don't raise your hand. When's the last time you asked God for wisdom? Yesterday. Good. You didn't have to answer, but. Amen. Listen. An advantage is not an advantage until you take advantage of it. Right? Wisdom from God is an advantage for the child of God. Do you realize that God says in his word, if you ask him for wisdom, he will give it to us liberally without reproach. He will never get tired of us asking for wisdom. What if we start asking God for wisdom on how to defeat the devil in our lives? What if we ask God for wisdom how to pray? What if we ask God for wisdom and how to read his word? What do you think God's going to do? He's going to give it to us. You're going to gain wisdom from God. It's like taking off our shoes, which I'm not going to do. Taking off our shoes, because I do this, and this is what I say to God. I, I, I say, Lord, imagine you taking your shoes and holding them in the air and saying, Lord, what would you do in this situation? What would you do if you were in my shoes? That's what it means to ask God for wisdom. That's basically what you're saying. Lord, what would you do if you were me? And the Bible says, promised, that if we ask God for wisdom, he will give it to us liberally. No shortage. But we're not asking God for wisdom. We know that. We're relying on our own strength and our own weapons instead of the weapons of God. So I submit to you, that there's a scheme against you. There's a plan to defeat you. Satan's desire is like a roaring lion to devour you, 1 Peter 5.8. But if you do those things, oh, if you do those things, you'll become strong and you'll overcome the evil one. Here's the last verse I'm going to share tonight. 1 John 2.14. Check this out. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. God is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have what? Overcome the evil one. 1 John 2.14. I have written to you. Young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, we need to focus on the word of God. And you have overcome the evil one. A systematic plan that helps us focus on what God desires and helps us get the job done. 
It's amazing what we can do once we start focusing on the Word of God and not focus on the enemy of our souls. Amen? Amen. A systematic plan that will help us defeat somebody that's way higher than us. The Bible says that men and women, human race, are a lot lower than the angels. Yet, because we're connected to God as a father, we get to pray to God anytime, anywhere. We get to know God as a dad. And we get to pray and see God show up left and right in our lives. Who else can do that? Only the Christian. Do you know that the Christian is the only one, we talked about it earlier, that it exclusively houses the Holy Spirit? Do you know the Christian is the only one that has a license to pray? Do you know that the Christian is the only one that can call upon God anytime they want and have God respond? That's us. But yet the enemy gets us so busy, so defeated, so focused on other things, thinking we're wrestling against each other when we're wrestling against him. Right? So defeated. A systematic plan that helps us focus on what God desires. And instead of giving up, backing up, shutting down, and shutting up, we're going to wake up and overcome the evil one. Amen? God bless you guys.